Take me as I am. Wow. Um, now for this little thing that I do. Um, gee whiz. Part of, the big, part of the whole thing of being a pastor is you have to learn how to take abuse. Speaking of abuse, um, I got a lot of abuse uh, no small amount, really. For if, if you get our This Week at Renaissance newsletter, if you, have, if you don't get that, I mean, go to our website and start getting every Friday morning we send out of This Week, and it's just kind of what's coming up for the weekend and uh, what's coming up for um, uh, the week possibly as well, some of the other announcements and so forth in there. So if you, if you, um, if you get that, you notice probably something in there. And I got some, I got some grief because the opening line was something like, uh, um, how could God honor a lying hooker? Um, and one of the emails that I got back was, I can't believe you opened the church newsletter talking about a hooker, okay? But what they don't know is I have other titles that I thought about using for this. Um, and, 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 and some of those, I, I got some of them here. Um, how can God bless a lying hooker? That's one. Uh, does immorality really matter? That's another. Um, um, how to cure your slice? Get to know a hooker. Um, that, sorry, if you're not a golfer, you don't get that. Sorry, never mind. Uh, <laughs> nah, don't do that. Um, how about this one? Hooking up on ancient Israel, fact or fiction? Um, uh, sorry, um, it's uh, you know, there's just so much you can do with with this. And I, I'll bet there are, and I've, I already know this. I don't have to bet there are people in the uh, early service that boy, I didn't know the Bible talked about a woman of ill repute like this. Rahab was definitely a prostitute, if we want to use the more proper terminology here with educated folks. Um, and the Bible talks a lot about her. I mean, it's amazing. And when you, uh, back, again, back to our website, uh, one of the things that you can do after, uh, after church every Sunday is uh, look at action steps. I have some thoughts that I put on there, um, sort of post, I, I write it beforehand, but it's sort of post, uh, post homily or post uh, message thoughts and so forth, post little thing, whatever this thing is, uh, the, uh, that I do. But it all comes back to this one theme that I've been kind of, hitting pretty hard uh, in that quote from John Chrysostom that I've uttered, I think, every, every Sunday we've been on this series, a comprehensible God is no God at all. And once again, God blows our minds with how he deals with this lying prostitute. She lied and she was a prostitute. And, uh, and, and yet we find out she's a woman of faith amazing stuff here, all right? I want to just jump right into this. Um, it's in Joshua. It's in chapter 2. Give you a little background on Joshua. Joshua is one of the historical books of the Old Testament. Um, and what's happening is Joshua is the leader of the Israelites. His, uh, his mentor, if you will, uh, Moses, is, is, is dead. He's gone. Forty years before the time that we're going to start reading Israel has done this dramatic thing of going through the Red Sea. Maybe, maybe you saw the movie. Um, and uh, they went through the Red Sea to leave Egypt and the bondage and the slavery of Egypt. And uh, God, in a miraculous thing, divided the, actually it's called the, the Reed Sea, but it's the northern part of the Red Sea. And uh, they did that whole dramatic thing. And, and they kind of wandered for 40 years in what we know as the Sinai Peninsula. And uh, pretty deserty, pretty uh, arid, pretty yucky. I mean, just not a very nice place at all if you've been there. And, um, but now they're right across the Jordan River from what is known as the Promised Land, which is basically modern-day Israel for the most part. Um, 
and they're right across the Jordan River, and that's the promised land, and God says, you're going to go in there, and this is your promised land. It's the land of milk and honey, and it's the land of, uh, where you're going to be able to, to grow things and, and live prosperously and so forth and so on. So that's where they are, and they've got all this nation of people anywhere. It depends on the people that you read, anywhere from, from a few hundred, several hundred thousand to maybe even as many as two million people. Can you imagine that, sort of a, sort of a two million people camping trip? Um, doesn't sound like too much fun to me. But anyway, um, that's where they are. And they've got, they, they, got, they need to cross the Jordan River. And there's one main fortress that's sort of the, the guardian of the whole area. It's called Jericho. Jericho, by the way, is one. Some scholars believe it might be the oldest city in the world. It predates, uh, it's a uh, you know, thousand years or so B.C. And, and there's been many civilizations there. Some of the digs that are going on there are pretty amazing. And uh, some of them, are, they're finding out that there, were, there have been many civilizations there over the centuries and so forth. So Jericho is there. And God is telling his people, Joshua, through Joshua, the leader, this is where you got to go. Now, you got to know this. Jericho's a bad place. And the people, I don't know any other way to say this, they're bad people. And, then, and, and, if you, if, and you say, well, that's a judgmental thing to say. Well, I'm going to read to you a few things that the scholars have learned about Jericho and, and the Canaanites in a couple of minutes here, uh, just to let you know how bad this place really is. It's really bad. I mean, it's bad. So keep that in mind as we jump into this passage, Joshua chapter 2. We're gonna, you're going to follow along with me here, and, and uh, let's just jump into this, and then we're going to make some, some, um, some points about it all. But let's look, let's look at the historical narrative first. Joshua 2 verse 1, Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Achaica, and instructed them, spy out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house. They are spies sent here to discover the best way to attack us. I know what you're thinking, some of you. Some of you are thinking, why do they go to a house of a prostitute? What are they doing here? It was a really cool, strategic thing to do because there would be a lot of traffic there. Prostitution, by the way, was pretty common in those days, and that, and that particular, in this particularly very heathen culture. So it's not like it's so there was only one. Um, there probably were several places like this, and in fact, there was even a temple. Uh, there was they had temple prostitutes even even at this early age. Um, we find out later on in the New Testament times as well. So it was, a, it was a smart thing to do. We'll go there. Nobody will really know we're here. They'll just think, oh, there's some people coming in, you know, and so forth. Well, they find out about them. And the king of Jericho says, you know, bring these guys out, Rahab. We know they're in there. Now, watch what happens here. Verse 4. Rahab, who had hidden the two men, now watch this carefully, replied, the men were here earlier, but I don't know where they, I didn't know where they came, where they, where they were from. Okay, that's one problem. Verse 5, they left the city at dusk as the city gates were about to close, and I don't know where they went. Mm, That's another problem. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Mm, That's another problem. Verse 6, but she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath piles of flax. Now, where I come from, not sure about Jersey, but where I come from, we call that a lie, okay? Actually, I'm pretty sure we call that a lie here as well. 
In fact, there are about three lies in there. Did you count them? So I said, three different problems. She lied three times. We're not here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, verse 7, so the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossing places of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the city gate was shut. Okay, we've got a problem here. She's lying. Hang on to that thought. We'll come back to it. Verse 8, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. This is an amazing dialogue right here. Watch this. I know the Lord has given you this land. How does she know that? They don't have Sunday school class in Jericho. They don't have Hebrew school. They don't have anything. They're not taught morality. They don't have morality 101 in Jericho. How does she know that? She doesn't, you know, learn anything about God or, or a Messiah to come or any. I mean, she, didn't know, she hasn't had any of that in the culture. In, which, in fact, they have, it's, it's, they have many gods and for the most part, no God at all. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We, were all afraid, we are all afraid of you. Everyone is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. That was, that was 40 years earlier. And we know, that you did, uh, we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. That was two other things, two other areas they had completely destroyed. Another just hugely heathen, pagan area. And when I say heathen and pagan, I mean that exactly. I'm not, I'm not uh, playing with words there. Verse 11, no wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. Here it is again. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. This is some amazing stuff coming out of this woman's mouth. I mean, she's just letting me, we know, you, you know, how does she know that? Wow, great Now swear to me by the Lord <laughs> that you will be kind to me and my family since I've helped you. <clears throat> Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, not if, but when, when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live, <clears throat> excuse me, along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. The men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise when the Lord gives us this land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the city wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days until the men who are searching for you have returned. Then go on your way. Now, real quick, they, they have basically two walls. You know, that was their national defense in those days. They, to keep, uh, protect them from nomadic tribes and so forth, they just wall, put a wall around their city. But they put another wall inside of that. And between those two walls, they had built a lot, of, a lot of people's homes. That's where she, she had a home in the wall, so to speak, the outer wall and the inner wall. And um, scholars tell us that, you know, they were, it was wide enough, the wall was wide enough where you could probably get two chariots side by side or whatever you need, you know, it's about that size. So her window is in the outer wall. That's an important, she lets them down. And they go to the hill country, probably, I don't know, I didn't walk, 15, 20-minute walk from Jericho, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're fast. Uh, there's some limestone cliffs and some things like that that you could easily hide in in this particular age. Uh, you couldn't search everybody out or search all those little cra- craggy areas and so forth. So that's where they go. So she says, this, verse 16, escape to the hill country, she told them, hide there for three days until the men who are searching for you have returned, then go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, we can guarantee your safety only if you leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window. 
and all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street, they will be killed. We cannot be held to our oath. But if you swear that no one inside, but excuse me, but we swear that no one inside this house will be killed. Not a hand will be laid on any of them. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. Spies went up into the hill country, stayed there three days. The men were chasing them, searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned to the city without success. Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, reported to Joshua all that had happened to them, and and they were pumped. Let me just say, verse 24, The Lord will certainly give us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. So they're really, they're, they're pumped. They're ready to go, man. They're jazzed. They're saying, we're, 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 we got this thing. You know, they're afraid of us. Let's go. Now, then we have, and that's chapter 2. And we go into chapters uh, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Really, Joshua chapter 6 deals with the battle of Jericho itself. And uh, maybe, you know, maybe you know what happened there. If, if you know the Elvis song, you probably know what happened there. In the 930 crowd, there's a bunch of young, they don't know, they don't know who Elvis was. I mean, you know, and, and uh, but uh, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. You know, everybody knows that song, right? No, you know, I tried to get Steve to sing that song. He was, I can't even tell you how he responded to that. But anyway, um, what happened basically with Jericho was they were told, given special instruction, different, a special kind of thing. We don't know, again, several hundred thousand people, maybe a million people were told. Joshua had this plan. It came from God. We're going we're gonna to cross the Jordan River, uh, which was no small task, by the way. It was flood season. And uh, we're going to march around Jericho. And it's really not that big ancient Jericho. I walked around it when we were there just to see how long it would take. And I had to go through some backyards and stuff to do that because it's kind of weird now. But... Um, <laughs> And people were looking at me like, what are you doing? You know, and I'm just like, you know, hey, you know they don't speak English. Ah, I'm just walking around Jericho. It, it, took, it took me at a pretty good fast-paced walk, probably about 10 minutes, about 10 or 11 minutes, as I, as I recall. Um, and so when you start, you know, with several hundred thousand people doing that, it's going to take about well, once a day for seven days, seventh day, for six days. For the seventh day then, they, uh, they do it seven times. And the last time they blow the trumpets and the walls came tumbling down, as the song says and as the Bible teaches. Um, interesting, a lot of digs at Jericho. Uh, when we were there a few years ago, there, I'd always thought about that. You know, uh, it's kind of in a romantic way. I told Charlene, you know, someday we'll, we're going to take a sabbatical and we're going to go do a dig somewhere in, in, the, in the Holy Land. Well, I watched him dig for about 10 minutes. And I said... I don't think that's for me. Here's what they do. I mean, these people are, I mean, first of all, most of them are either archaeologists or in most cases in school uh, somewhere for archaeology and so forth. Some of them have a biblical bent. Some of them don't have a biblical bent. They're just into archaeology. But, I mean, here's what they do. So I'm thinking you get a shovel and start digging. That would be kind of cool. Or get a backhoe and just go really and, 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 and just go in there and you find some stuff. Hey, I got one of the walls. This would be really cool. That's how I pictured it in my mind. So I'm watching these people. I promise you I'm not exaggerating. They're on their hands and knees with little tools with their fingers going through the dirt looking for little pieces of pottery or whatever they can find. And I'm watching that and I'm thinking, my ADD would kick in in about eight minutes and I'm out of there. I mean, I mean that is... I mean, you know, if you ever really want to punish me, I do something wrong or something, you say, we're going to put you on a dig in Israel. I mean, that, 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 that's the thing. But, 
Uh, it's just amazing. So, so they, they do a lot of these things, and, you, and maybe some of you have read, they have a lot of things that come out from time to time, and you can find different things on the internet and so forth. And there's a lot of different conflicting evidence, but we do know that there was a Jericho and that the, the walls did come down actually more than once. There were, there were, they were, it's been buried under different civilizations and so forth, but um, pretty good evidence of, of, of what happened there, at least in, in, in some parts. I've read some scientists who have said, which is very interesting to me, who, one particular one who, try, who has tried to explain most of the miracles or all of the miracles of the Bible in the Old Testament um, by uh, scientific means. And he says, you know, this, what really happened in Jericho was, was an uh, earthquake. And you know what? I have no problem with that. It could have been an earthquake. Timing was pretty incredible, but <clears throat> it, it could have been an earthquake. I don't know. God could have just said, boom. Um, whatever happened, the walls apparently fell outward. There is archaeological evidence of that. And uh, Jericho was conquered by God's people, by the Israelites. And then we see what happens in the last part of chapter 6 after that, after that battle. Verse 24, i got it here for you. Watch. The Israelites burned the city and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept, from the tre- or kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And, this is Joshua writing years later, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. Isn't that cool? By the way, I bet she learned some of the Ten Commandments since they had the Ten Commandments then. I bet she learned that one commandment that says, Thou shalt not lie. I wonder how she handled that. Um, as I say, uh, I, I, do some, I, I write a little bit about it, in, as I mentioned earlier, in Action Steps in our website. And one of the things that I say in there that I think is important is that this woman has more press in the Bible than a lot of people who were just straight-laced, you know, uptight, you know, righteous people. I mean, there's a lot of things in the Bible. For instance... I'm going to show you a couple of them. Um, There's this passage that those of us who get into theology and the Bible and so forth call the Faith Hall of Fame. It's Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 11. And we call it the Faith Hall of Fame because it has listed all, not all, but different Old Testament people who did things by faith. And it's sort of commending them and saying, you should have this kind of faith. Read it when you go home. Hebrews chapter 11. Um, One of the people... In that thing we call the Faith Hall of Fame, guess who? Rahab. Look, Hebrews 11.31. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute did not die with all the others in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Wow. Right there with some, I mean, Noah's mentioned in here, Abraham, Moses, and right there's Rahab with them, with them all. I'm just a great person. You say, well, I don't get that, Rich. How, how could she be a great person and be a part of all the things that she was a part of? Let's talk about that. I have what we call here five fast facts, all right? Five fast facts about how God looks beyond our mistakes. I'll go through these first three or four very quickly, all right? Um, some, I think some pretty obvious observations. I think you'll, you'll, you'll see them pretty quickly. First one is this. Faith can be found in some surprising places. And I might add faces as well. Don't be so quick to judge. Don't be, uh, you know, way too often we think that the appearance so many times points to to who that person really is. 
I've often told the story here. I'll, I'll just refer to it quickly so those of you who've heard it won't get bored and those of you who haven't will know what I'm talking about. But I've often told the story here of the, of the young man who in the last church where I, that I pastored in Vail who wanted to go snowboarding with me. And, he, you know, he had all this, you know, he looked like a tackle box all over his face. And, and, uh, and, uh, and I just kept putting him off and putting him off and putting him on. I don't want to go snowboarding with this guy, you know. And, and, uh, um, and I finally did. Most of you know the story, and, and uh, those of you who've been here. And I learned, first of all, I got my butt kicked on the stinking snowboard going over some cliffs that I had no business being on. That's a, different st- that's a different story. But the other thing was I learned that this guy had tremendous faith in Christ. And it was, again, a lesson to me, Rich. How many times? How long? How many times is it going to take you to realize you can't judge a book by its cover? You can't go by appearances. And many times we see that over and over and over again, don't we, with people. Maybe this person wasn't a Republican. My gosh. And he had great faith. How is that possible? I don't know. We got a few like that here. You know? And uh, maybe the, for, the, for the Democrats, maybe the person, you know, is not a Democrat. or You know, whatever qualifications you put on that thing. I mean, a person doesn't look just like you think they should look. Maybe, God forbid, they don't wear Ralph Lauren. And, and they're still people of faith. Amazing how that works, isn't it? Um, so we've got to be careful with this. Faith can be found in some surprising places and in some surprising faces. And by the way, there's a negative side to that. I won't spend much time on it. But it also, there are also those who surprise us and who have all the appearances of a person, of a great righteous person of faith and all the right lingo and all the right wording and all the right this and then... We find out differently by their lifestyle. So faith can be found in some, uh, some, some surprising places. Second thing, God looks at something other than appearance. Sort of a repetitious point, but I want you to see this because there's a verse that I want you to see that goes with this. God looks at something other than appearance. Look what, uh, look what Samuel says, Old Testament. The Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't make decisions the way you do. People judged by outward appearance... Excuse me, people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at a person's thoughts and intentions. The Lord looks at a person's heart, is what he's saying. Thank God he does, too. Because sometimes my actions, my words, your actions, your words may not denote somebody who is, quote-unquote, a person of faith. God looks at something other than appearances, as he did with Rahab. Third thing... This is an important point. Our past is the past. It's not the present. It's not the future. It's our past. And the great, uh, great dramatist from the uh, from fourth century before Christ, B.C., Agathon said this: "Even God cannot change the past." So why do we fuss and fume and get all upset about it? Granted, we all have regrets. Granted, we all have mistakes that we wish we hadn't made, but that can't be changed. And even in a greater sense, it's helped make us the person that we are. Not in spite of it, but often because of it. Our past is our past, and thank God it's there. And it's not the present or it's not the future. And the same was true with, uh, with Rahab. Fourth thing, authentic faith has evidence. I want you to see this. This is where we're going to do a little, um, little mental heavy lifting here, okay? Because we've really got to deal with some issues with this text that I haven't dealt with yet. And, uh, and, and it's, you know, 
here's the point. Faith changes how we live. It changes how we behave. It changes our sense of values. Faith changes us when it's authentic, genuine faith. We're not the same. We don't live the same. And I put it in a negative phrase like this. When your faith is left at church, if you want to say it that way, and it's separated from home or the marketplace, it is neither faith nor is it authentic. And, and, and James puts this in a different way. In the New Testament, James wrote this, and um, again, Rahab is mentioned. Watch this, Rahab in James 2, verse 25. Rahab the prostitute is another example of this, he says. She was made right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without a spirit, so also faith is dead without good deeds. His point is this, if you have faith, it's going to show in your life. It's not, gonna, it's not just going to be there, oh, I'm a, I'm a believer, I follow Christ, and you're going to keep on living the way you were before. He says it's going to make a difference in how you live. It's going to make a difference in how, you, in how you talk. It's going to make a difference in how you treat people. It's going to make a difference in your sense of values. And that's the issue here. So here's, here's the heavy lifting part. What do we do with this? I mean, Rahab lied. Is it okay to lie? Was Fletcher right in the early 60s when he wrote Situation Ethics? Do we go, to the, do we go to, the, to the ethics courses of the day, of which probably most all of us had in, in, in college? Some of us, particularly if you major in theology and Bible, had a lot of them. Um, do we go to those that say the greater good? Certainly there's a place for that in times. But is it ever, I mean, the point is this. Are there some absolutes? It's always wrong to lie. You know, it's always right to do this. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things we can do with this that we need to think about. And, and what do we do with it? Here's what I want you to see about Rahab, okay? Rahab was conditioned to her culture, and you need to understand this. And you need to understand her culture. When you understand her culture, it will also help you understand why God said you're going to destroy this place. Her culture, let me, and these are, this, these are not my words. These are from scholars um, that have uh, studied both their times, their, the ancient writings, and, of course, the, the archaeological stuff uh, that has been uncovered. Here's what we know so far about the Canaanites, and, the, and in particular the people of Jericho. They burned their children in honor of their gods. They practiced sodomy, bestiality. They, uh, they uh, sacred, sacred quote-unquote, sacred prostitution, Snake worship, child sacrifice, and a number of other things. These were not good people. And that's why God said, you've got to wipe them out. It is so bad, it is so rampant, it's not like you can save the children. Children can't be saved anyway. You know, and they're all a part of this. They've had over 600 years to repent. And it just, is, it just keeps getting worse. This is the culture that she's living in. So she lied. Do you see where, <laughs> in the whole scope of things, in this, be careful with the, you know, you quote me on this, I'm going to come after you, okay? But, 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 but be careful with this. But in the whole scope of her culture and her life, the lie wasn't a big deal at all. Not when you're killing children. Not when you've got, you know, molestation going on in the name of religion and all kinds of other just phenomenally evil stuff. So, she did all that she knew in her act of faith. She lied. Should she have lied? I don't think so. Could she have done something else? I think she could have. I don't know what, 
But she could have done something else. But it, we have to deal with this whole thing. She, what she did was an act of faith for her. Not the lie, but the faith in God and who he was. And that was a huge step for a person coming out of this culture, which was just phenomenally more evil than anything we know of or can think of in, in the modern world today. Anywhere in our, in, our, in our globe. There are a few places that might come close. So I want you to see that, and I want you to kind of grab hold of that. Authentic faith is evident. I want you to see that. It may be evident a little bit. It may be evident a lot. In some cases, it may be only in an attitude. A guy, guy came in, he's talking to me, and he's, i got to talk to you. I'm a single guy, and he's struggled with, with, with immorality for quite a while, and he came to know Christ, and, and he is really trying to be living a, a chaste moral life. And he said, i got to talk to you. And I said, okay. And he said, I kind of got caught up in something. Met a girl, yada, 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 and yada, yada. we ended up, you know, the whole deal. And I said, I mean, he's just in tears telling me about this, literally. It's not a, it's not a tear, he's not a tears kind of guy, you know? And uh, he said, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I just, I'm so sorry. I just want to talk to you about it and get you to pray with me. I mean, he wasn't, he knows I'm not a priest that I can forgive him. God has to forgive him, and God did, because he'd confessed it to God. He just wanted somebody to talk to about it. And, and I, I, I wanted to encourage him. So I said something I, I wanted to, I wasn't just trying to shock him, but I wanted to encourage him. I said, this is great news. He said, well, what's great news about that? And I said, there was a time when you weren't sorry. There was a time when you just kept him right on moving along and you said, hey, isn't it great? Ah. You know, I said, that's not what's happening. I said, there's true repentance in your heart. There's a true desire to do what's right. I love that. That's evidence. Can you see that evidence? Not necessarily by what he did, but by, by his heart and by his attitude. And that's important for us to understand. Authentic faith has evidence. Sometimes it's visible to people. Sometimes it's not. But it is always visible to God. And, and that's, that's what we see here. Rahab's faith was visible. She acted upon what she knew. This is God. These are God's people. I want to help because your God is the real God. I haven't been taught anything about that. I haven't learned anything about that. But, but your God is the real God. I recognize that. By the way, and, and, and it, that gives you some insight into can God be revealed to those cultures where God has not been talked about and they didn't have Sunday school, they don't live in America where we talk about God or, or, we, or even whether we went to Catholic school or private school or public school. Yeah, I let that out, didn't I? I went to public school as a kid. I hate to tell you that, but I did. But um, in the Midwest, which is why sometimes I say have, have went instead of have gone or I was instead of I went or, you know, whatever, um, overcoming all that stuff. But, uh, but even, even when, when I was in public school, which is not that many years ago, there was a, there was a sense of God. You know, and we have some good teachers here who teach in public school. And by the way, the public schools here are phenomenal. I'm just, I'm just making a joke about that. But you can't, we're, we're in a society, and this is my point, don't miss it. We're in a society where there's, a, there's an acknowledgement, an open acknowledgement of God in one form or another, whether you're Christian or whether you're Jewish or even, even in, other, in, in other kinds of religion is an acknowledgement of that. She had none of that, none of that. I don't know that we can even fathom that. I mean, and that's, that's the issue. She acted in an, in an evidence of her faith in the only way she knew how. And God honored, not the lie, but the faith. The faith. 
upon which she acted. And, you know, and we have to deal with that. And I know that when we get into truths and mistruths, we can go a lot of different places with that. And that's something you've got to work out, you know, just like I do. If, you know, somebody comes to you with the ugliest baby you've ever seen, you know, you know this. You know the rest of this story, don't you? We've all experienced that. And we've, I dare say, many of us in here have probably lied. Oh, yeah, baby's so cute. <laughs> you kind of walk away and you go, oh, God, here I did it again, you know. We have to work through some of those things. You say, well, is that really? We've got to work through some of those things. We've got to be careful what we're teaching. We've got to be careful when we say to our kids, tell them I'm not here uh, when, I, when I am. We, we need to be careful with all those issues and work through all that. So we're not, getting a, we're not getting a free pass here about lying. What we're getting here is a great classic example of a person coming out of an extremely heathen culture who has faith and does all that she knows how to act upon that faith. And God, and God you know, is, writes about it after the fact in Hebrews and later on in James. She's also mentioned in Matthew. She's also in the family tree of Jesus. Can you believe that? That shows God's grace, doesn't it? So, I mean, this is, this is, this is some good stuff. Faith can be found in some surprising places. God looks at something other than appearances. The past is the past. Leave it there. Authentic faith has evidence. Last thing I want you to see, and I want to just close with this thought, and that is this. People can change. There's an old philosophical statement that says, people change, but not much. I take issue with that statement. People can change. They can change by God's power and by God's spirit working in them. Rahab's a classic example, breaking out of this extremely heathen culture. People can change. I want you to think about that when you think about others. I want you to think about that when you think about your own life. Maybe you're not a lying prostitute. I don't think we have any of those here this morning. I don't know. You never know. Um, can't say that. You never know. Uh, you know who's sitting beside you? You don't know. Anyway, <laughs> maybe you're not at the, extreme, at the extreme end of that particular thing. But I'll, t- but I'll tell you this. I would wager that there are probably some things about your life that you would like to change. Maybe it's how you respond to certain people. Maybe it's how sometimes that fuse gets real short and you explode and you say or do things that you shouldn't do. And you become almost addicted to that, that destructive habit. Maybe it's, maybe it's some other issues in your life. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's a thought life that's just in the gutter all the time. People can change. But I don't think that can happen outside of the power of God. That's why we call this having a relationship with God. God working inside of my life, seeking to round out. Are we going to change for good? Yeah. Is it going to be permanent? Not always. There's still going to be some of those little hiccups along the way, but we can change as God works in our heart and in our life. It happened with Rahab, and the great news is it can happen with me and you. I don't know what that is. Maybe that's something you want to pray about right now, just as we pray together. Maybe you want to just pray on your own and ask God to, to, to work in your own heart that particular area that's, that you're thinking about right now. Because you can change by God's power 
and by God's strength. But I want to pray for you and pray for all of us. I'm going to get the band to come on up. And uh, let me just pray right now. God, I do pray. I do ask that we each one would just, just think for a moment about that, those areas or maybe that one area in our life that needs to change. And maybe it's a destructive pattern of, of temper or maybe it's a destructive pattern of thinking. Maybe it's something else. Whatever it is, I pray, God, that we would have the ability by, by, by the Spirit of God as we trust you to change. For some, that may, need, that may mean they begin by just saying, God, I want you in my life. Right now, I want you in my life, and I want you um, working in my heart and in my life, and I want to trust in the fact that Jesus came and that he went to the cross and died for my sins and rose again to give me the ability to have a relationship with you, to give me the ability to change. And I pray for that, and I thank you, Lord, for, each that, for that for each one of us. And we thank you, and we, uh, we just pray for your work in all of our lives, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.